I, I was calculating this morning what I've done in the last eight weeks, and I was thinking I, I have listened to 20 sermons in person, or, or oh, Bethany, I watched all of our sermons here, which were great, by the way, and I've listened to 15 in-person lectures by college professors. I have read uh, or listened to 10 books and started another four. So, how much time you got today? <laughs> I, I got a lot on my mind. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, um, well, I met some great people. I had some great conversations. I was, had lunch with some pastors and hung out with some really wicked smart people. And I got to have lunch with uh, one of my literary heroes, uh, Dr. Carl Truman, who wrote uh, Rise and Triumph with the Modern Self, which... You ought to read that book. If, if, if you're not in for a long book, and I know uh, we're all watching videos now instead of reading books, a lot of folks are, but the, he has a shorter version called The Strange New World, which is a shorter, an abridged version. So if you want something a little shorter, tremendous author. And uh, so I got to that. I, I, I couldn't believe it. He's standing there, and we're all walking to lunch, and I sat at the table with him and got to talk to him. So that was really great. So it's been great. Thank you for your support and, and letting me do it. Um, a man well up in years, many years ago, in a community that built idols, that's what they did. They made idols. There was a time in history when culture had moved far from God. In fact, as best we can tell, this man may have been the only one left that had an ear for the true living God, the God of Israel. And so this man is minding his own business one day, and all the idols that surrounded him, and his family made idols, and they worshipped idols, they never spoke. They never said anything. They never gave any direction. It was all guessing. It was all making up with the idol. You, you, you know, you, I, I know that um, a lot of you love your dogs, right? I, I, I noticed that. You love your dogs, and, and I love it when people invent what their dog is thinking <laughs> and tell you what their dog is saying. <laughs> I don't argue with them anymore. They, they know what their dog is saying, what their dog is thinking, what their dog is feeling, the love their dog is feeling, or the sadness or whatever. He's sad because whatever. <laughs> well, that's kind of the way idol worship is. <laughs> oh, one day, though, this man, in his later years, he's 79 years old. And uh, that's why I don't think I'm done yet. <laughs> 79, and the Lord speaks to him. And what happened was so interesting. That conversation became a lot of things. But the most important thing it became is it became a friendship. It became a friendship that transformed his life. A friendship that now we consider that man, three, the three major religions in the world, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, consider this man their leader. And his name is Abraham. And the scripture was fulfilled, the Bible says, in James chapter 2, verse 23, we're going to do an Old Testament, a New Testament, Old Testament verse, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. 
Then we jump over to Isaiah chapter 41, verse 6. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Abraham, my friend. So there we have it. The most influential spiritual leader in history, besides Christ himself, his identification was he was a friend of God. And the point I hope to make today is that God's intention of being friends with humanity hasn't changed. God wants to be your friend. Do you realize that? Are you interested? And do you know how to do it? Do you know how to cultivate a friendship with God? Do you know what it means to let God into your life? Do you know, do, do you have a proper set of expectations? We all have friends, hopefully. Hopefully you all have friends. And I know we all want friends and need friends. And uh, usually people who don't want or need friends become weird. So you're not weird, okay? But you know, friendship comes with expectations. And sometimes we lose friends because our expectations are too high or we, we're not open to their expectations. Can you embrace the idea of moving forward with God as a friend? The Bible says in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, can two walk together without agreeing on the direction? We'll get into that today. You are shaped, let me say this, you are shaped to be spiritual, and you are formed for friendship. And there are two spiritual beings in the universe vying for your friendship. Jesus represents the deepest passion of God in the gospel when he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned and desolate. The, most, the driving passion of God is to be with us. The, the Bible says in one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Mark 4, 12, Jesus chose the twelve that he might be with them. In ancient prehistoric times, in the lofty realms of heaven, an angel named Lucifer waged war against the Almighty based on the claim that he was just as qualified to be God as God was qualified to be God. We know him as Satan now. Satan means an, the opposer. That's what the word Satan means. Opposer. Opposer. Not, he's also a poser, but it means opposer. Satan, the Bible says, disguising his, himself as an angel of light. He pretends to be your friend. He pretends to have your best interest at heart. He pretends to be good. He pretends to be truthful. He, depend, he, he pretends to be loving. He pretends to be compassionate. He offers you insight and enlightenment. But he is a liar. So I call this series that I'm starting today... Your friend, your foe, your choice. We'll talk more about your friend today than the foe. In Sundays to come, we'll talk more about you, the foe. The one who comes alongside you, advises you, enlightens you with lies that will destroy your life. So, first of all, how do we start this friendship with God? Number one, understand what friendship with God is not. Abraham, to Abraham, friendship with God was not just a transaction or an event. 
when you ask many people, do they know Jesus? They will immediately tell you, yes, I've been born again. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I, I, I got baptized one time. Yes, I know Jesus. Well, that's not the question. The question is not, did you have an event? The question is not, did you have a transaction? Did you sign a contract? Did you buy the fire insurance? That's not the question. The question is, do you know Jesus? Are you a friend of God? Friendships with, with God begins when I feel his presence, and I know it's God. When I hear his voice, when I understand all the issues and all the manipulations that people are saying, God told me, is, is, that's not it. That's not what we're talking about. I know that happens. There's all kinds of manipulation. People say, God told me. But, but in supposed words from God, they have to always be tested, by the way. And, 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 but isn't it even more problematic? Listen, isn't it even more problematic and really abnormal to live a life devoid of the voice of God? Devoid of the presence of God, having no idea what God is saying or thinking or feeling. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I think this idea of friendship is huge. The second thing I would say about friendship with God as far as what it's not is it was not for Abraham an imaginary concept for coping with life challenges. Some people take very comfort, great comfort in the, the, the God idea. They have the God idea. They say things like, uh, you know, if anything bad happens, God has his reasons. Really? <laughs> Where do you get that? It's not in the Bible. The Bible never says that every bad thing that happens to you God has his reasons. What, what kind of horrible God does that all the time? You know? And the Bible says God causes all things to work together for good. They love, they love him and are called according to his purpose. That's very different than God causes all things. That's very different. Uh, God's presence in our pain, though, that's friendship. A rich friendship that, that we are promised in Jesus. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God's presence, no matter what. God's word to you, no matter what. God's hand in your life, no matter what. God showing up, no matter what. That's the human need today. The human need. If, 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 if prosperity... If prosperity and comfort and safety were satisfactory to people, uh, extremely rich people would never take their own life. Solomon taught us, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, that every earthly pinnacle is meaningless. And I, I want to preach a sermon on Ecclesiastes. What a great book. It, but, but let me just give you a little preview of what that book is about. That book is about one phrase, under the sun. Under the sun. Everybody say, under the sun. That book is about one phrase, under the sun. He says, everything under the sun is futile and meaningless and will come to an end and will not last. 
And if you only read the book of Ecclesiastes and you read the under the sun passages, you will want to kill yourself. But we don't live under the sun. We live above the sun. We are in the sun. Amen? We are friends of God. Abraham's friendship with God also was not a partnership with a magician who would turn his life into a fairy tale. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives. Here's where we get this idea, and a lot of preachers have preached this over the years. It's called the prosperity gospel. And, and, and hang on a minute, because I believe in prosperity, and I believe in success, and I believe all of that. But listen, here's where we get this idea that, God was, that Abraham was not getting a friend, he was getting a lamp. And it was Aladdin's lamp. And whenever he needed things to go smoothly, he would rub the lamp and the genie would come out. And life was magical. Every day was going to be magical. I was going to say Disney World. I don't know if we should say Disney World lately. <laughs> the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your family's friend, and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. But people read that and they go, well, yeah. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> and, will, and will be a blessing to you. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I don't wonder he said that. Yeah, let's be friends. <laughs> no wonder Abraham said that. But uh, let, let's, I'll try to summarize. I'll try to summarize Abraham's life here in a few sentences. Bear with me. Right after Abraham heard that, and he walked, him and God took a walk. You know, that's what you do with your friends. You take a walk with your friends. You walk through Boston, you walk down the beach. You know, you, you go on the dating sites and you look for people who want to take long walks. Right? <laughs> I don't know why. Why is that a big deal, Kevin? Are you looking for someone who wants to take long walks? <laughs> Kevin's available. Anybody? Anybody's looking? <laughs> I'm your friend, man. I'm helping you out. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of, speaking of people, uh, it's so good to have Cara Pierce here today. Isn't that amazing? Wow. All the way from Australia. We ship them in from Australia to sing on our worship team. Yeah. So we're so glad to have Sarah here for Cara uh, uh, here. Cara, Cara, Cara. It's Cara, right? Anyway, uh, Abraham. Let's get back to Abraham. He hears this thing, and he, he takes a walk with God. The first thing that happens, he gets to the place that God told him to go, and there's a famine. There's no food. They, have a, they don't just have a, a, a baby food shortage or, or a formula shortage. They have a shortage of everything. He has to run into, he has to take his whole family into Egypt, and there the, 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 the king of Egypt abducts his wife, and puts him in this horrible situation. He ends up telling the king, well, that's my sister, because he knew the king would kill him in order to take his wife, and God had to supernaturally rescue him out of that situation. And then, then they get back to the promised land, and his, his, 
his servants and his, his nephew's servants have a big stinking fight and can't get along together. And he's a nice guy, so he gives, he, and, and so Lot, his nephew, ends up getting the really nice land, the water, well-watered plains of Shinar. And, and, and Abraham gets the rocky terrain of Palestine, which I've been there before, and it's, 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 it's rocky and, and, and not so beautiful unless you put it in the context of God's divine plan. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and also, uh, God told him, you're going to be famous, you're going to be a great nation, you're going to be multiplied. Well, he, 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 he wakes up one day, and he's in his late 90s, and Sarah's almost 90, and no kid, nothing, nothing's happened. No, what happened to the magic relationship that he had with God? But, but you, I want you to notice something. Abraham never got mad at God. He never had a controversy. You never read that Abraham had a controversy with God. Because God was his friend. Friends are for struggles. Friends are there for your pain. Friends are there for the worst moments of your life. Friends don't make the worst moments go away. But they're there for you. And they walk in when everybody else walks out. God is your friend. Well, Abraham tries to help God out, and Sarah says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you father a child with my servant girl? It'll be the same thing. And they, they had a, a child named Ishmael. And, and, and I, I, I don't, don't accuse me of bad language here today, but I, I'm just going to quote the scripture. I'm just going to quote the Bible right now. The Bible called Ishmael a wild ass. Okay. So, this wasn't a magical fairy tale relationship. Abraham had a very successful but difficult life. How many of you can relate to that? How many of you can relate to having a really good life, but there have been those struggles, haven't there? There have been difficulties. There have been disappointments. Everything's not going according, gone according to plan. Everything's not gone the way you wished it to go. Everything's not gone with your health or, or, or with your family or with, or, or with your friendships or earthly friendships and all of this. I, I could go on and on with Abraham. All kinds of things happened to Abraham. He had to go fight a war because Abraham got abducted by these four kings. And he has to get all his men together. He's not an army, but he turns them into an army right quick. And they go and they rescue Lot from the sky. I mean, friendship with God is not a fairy tale existence. It's an adventure. Amen. You want to go on an adventure? You want, you want life to be easy? Well, you need to go. You need to die and go to heaven. If you want life to be real, stay here and walk with God. <laughs> So, now, 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 don't misunderstand me. I believe in that transaction. I believe salvation is a transaction. It's the most important transaction you will ever make is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I believe that God works miracles, and I expect miracles all the time. I always pray for divine healing, and sometimes we get divine healing. Sometimes we get them. I always pray for financial miracles. I always pray, and God blesses in so many ways. So I believe in all of that, but it doesn't define my relationship 
with God. I know I've told you stories about, and I won't, so I won't repeat all those stories that I told about my journey with cancer and surgery and radiation and all that. But, but, but I've told you those stories. There's about ten stories where God did not heal me, but man, did God ever show up. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was, there's no way. These were coincidences. Well, I had another one the other day. I had to have a medical procedure uh, during my sabbatical. Which I, I tried to, anyway, it's a long story. It wasn't really planning to have it during the sabbatical, but I ended up needing to have this procedure. And I was really, first of all, I was really dreading it. And, oh, yuck, I don't want to do this. And the particular, I won't name the hospital. It's not, uh, not right around here. But, uh, man, I just had a, just a terrible experience with them. Just like on the phone. Trying to trying to schedule, and they wouldn't give me a day, you know, and just would wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me finish. I, like I would try to speak one sentence, and that girl would cut me off and not let me finish. So it could, I felt so. One day, I even got I even got the doctor on the phone and said, "Listen, I I need to schedule this." You know, one time they called me on Friday and said, "Can you come or on Monday? Can you come in Friday?" And I was out of town. So I said, I just need to, I think it's three months from now, let me get in. And so it, just, it was just like that. And, and, I, and I read all these bad reviews about the hospital and stuff. Like, I was feeling so negative. And they, they called me up like a week before. I said, oh, next week. So I wasn't going to let another day go. Yeah, I'll, do the, I'll, get, I'll go get the procedure. And so uh, th- th- I have to go, I have to drive into Boston for a COVID test, right? And I am just like this close to canceling the whole stinking thing. And, and, I, and in fact, I said to Sherry, Sherry can tell you, I said, do you think I should do this? And I wanted her, you know, when I wanted her to tell me what to do, she won't. <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted her to say, no, you shouldn't do this. Forget it. I mean, it wasn't life or death or anything like that. It, just, it, it, uh, it related to the prostate surgery that I had six years ago. So I said, no. So I, I was just wanting to cancel, but I, okay. I go there and for the COVID test, and I walk in the room, and this lady's there. She kind of had her back to me, and she wheels around, and Jill, you know, the doctor, she wheels around and said, Dr. Haswara is a very good doctor. You're going to be fine. She said, think about all you've been through. This is nothing. And she, I said, you know, she said a bunch of other really encouraging things. And I'm like, stunned. I said, you know what? I'm a pastor, and I needed some encouragement today. Thank you so much. She said, you know, my brother is a priest in Waltham, and he always says to me, um, uh, he always says to me, people say to me, God won't put on you more than you can bear. But she said, that's not, he said, that's not true. (laughs) And we had this, you know, I agreed with her, because I don't, because people, people get to the, what kind of God, what kind of God sits around and says, eh, they can handle having their family massacred. I'm going to let their family be, what kind, that's, that's insane. That's not God. That's not the God that I serve and love. And, and so we had this great theological conversation about this. And her, her name is Mary Elizabeth, I learned. And I, I mentioned her to other nurses. Oh, we all know Mary Elizabeth. She's like a legend around here. Who was Mary Elizabeth to me? It was God showing up in my life. 
And it happens, it happens so consistently now, I've learned to expect it. That somewhere in my difficult time, in my stressful time, and this wasn't high-level stress, I'm not putting it on, on the same level as what some of you are going through today at all. But it was stressful for me. You know, when you're in it, it's stressful. And God had, and, and it's happened every single time. That's what it, it's like to have a friendship with God. That's what it's like to have a friendship with God is he always speaks. He always shows up. He always touches you. He always is there for you. You will never, ever be alone. I mean, I've told about, I've told about being at the hospital, getting ready for surgery, and they're prepping me. And I've joked with Sherry. He said, I don't, I don't have a pastor. You've got to be my pastor today. And the knock comes on the door, and Renee Grant, who I haven't seen in 20 years, I played piano for her when she was 12, and teen talent, and she not comes in and said, I'm the chaplain. I know some of you are looking for Aladdin's lamp. And I wish I could give it to you. I wish I could make all your cancer go away. And I wish I could make all your divorces go away. And I wish I could make all your depression go away. And I wish I could make all your financial stress go away. And, and I wish I could make uh, that problem you're having with your teenager go away. And, and God can do that, by the way. But I can't promise you. I can make it go away. But I can introduce you to a presence. I can introduce you to a presence. Jesus said, I will put my spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you. You can't get any more intimate than that. You can't get any more intimate than God who will place his very Holy Spirit inside of you and it will speak to you and it will guide you. And those, you know, we're going to talk about the foe in future sermons, but those who are rejecting the friendship of God in my world that I live in today are accepting the friendship of the fake. Satan, the opposer, is the fake. And he's showing up and giving people fake enlightenment, fake insight, fake answers to prayer, fake, 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 false, fake news. <laughs> Jesus is still showing up, though, to give us power and hope and life and faith and real prosperity of the soul. Secondly, if you want to be a friend of God, appreciate that friendship is God's way, not in isolated circumstances for a few giants in the faith. Let me quickly take you through this. Adam and Eve, that's where it started. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. And the Lord God called to the men, man, where are you? God did not send fire or anything. He came himself because he was their friend. And apparently this was a regular occurrence. Then, then look at Cain. Let me paraphrase what God said to Cain. Cain was Adam and Eve's first son. And God had demanded a sacrifice. And his brother's sacrifice had been accepted. And his had not. But God, guess who God visited with? God visited Cain and said, and I'm going to paraphrase, listen to me, Cain, I'm your friend. I know you feel ticked and frustrated that your brother had the right sacrifice and you didn't, but listen. Listen, listen, Cain, I'm worried about you. That's a friend. I'm worried about you. 
Your rage is going to destroy you. That, that sacrifice thing, that was important, but that's, that's not a big deal to me. I'm worried about you, Cain. Your anger and your frustration, your inability to control your emotions, that's what's going to take you out. Not failing to offer the right sacrifice. That, that inability to control your emotions. I'm worried about you. Your rage is going to destroy you if you don't get it under control. But I believe in you, Cain. You, this is what God said to Cain. This is the whole, whole story of, uh, of East of Eden. You know, John Steinbeck. God, he said, you can master it. That's what a friend does for you. The friend says to you, you're bigger than this. You can do this. Then Enoch. Enoch lived with God 365 years. He lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Then there was Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Then there was Moses. The Lord said, used to speak to Moses face to face, the Bible says, as a man does to his friend. Then there was the disciples. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I, I call you friends in John 15, 15. That's amazing. I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Now they're getting ready to go through this very difficult thing. He's going to be crucified. And, and they're going to eventually all die martyrs' deaths. But God says, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm, I'm your friend. That, that word servant there means, is Greek word doulos. And it's translated slave, enslave, or subjugate. So he said, I, don't, I, I, don't, I didn't come to enslave you or subjugate you. I came to be your friend. The, the word friend is philo, which is it's also translated as darling, companion. Most interestingly, that word is translated to mend. The friend, friendship with Jesus is what heals you, man. It will mend you. I'm so serious. It would have been the word that they would have used for the best man at a wedding. I'm doing a wedding this afternoon. Uh, and in a couple of three or four hours, and it's it's used for the best man at a wedding. It, it was the word that was used for the king's cabinet, his inner circle. So, so this was a big word. This wasn't a casual friendship. Jesus was saying, "You're my you're my people. You're in my cabinet. You're closest to me. You're the people I listen to. You're my friend." And and uh, th that word uh, it, it, that word uh, th there's another big long Greek word that I can't pronounce and you don't care anyway. Th that literally means, and this is this is so cool. Don't miss this, guys. It means to have as one's ambition. Did you hear that? To have as one's ambition. Jesus has you as his ambition. He's not even primarily interested in you doing his work. He cares more about the worker than he does the work. Somebody needed that right now. You need to know that. That Jesus cares more about the worker than he does the work. He can get his work done way more efficiently than, than having to mess with you. <laughs> I'm telling you. He's got, he's got legions of angels who could do his work. He is chasing you because you're his ambition. I, I thought you would be a little more excited than that. I really did. I, you know, the other day we're, we're, out, to, we're out to dinner with, uh, uh, with uh, Ellie and, and, uh, and, and uh, my little granddaughter, and uh, Marilyn and Sherry and I. And Ellie's having nothing to do with me. She's, with, she's a, you know, Mimi controls her 
through the snack box. Because Mimi has the snack box. So Mimi has all the power. Right? And, uh, and so she's having nothing to do with me. And somehow it comes up that Allie has seen a little uh, a plush dog, a uh, stuffed dog in a cage at Marshall's. And she wanted it. And Sherry says, I'm not going to go buy it. Maybe Pop will. Within, I don't know, 90 seconds maybe, she's in my lap. I am, I'm the king of the hill, you know. I was not her ambition. She was using me. And I stood my ground, man. I did. I, I marched right over to Marshall's and bought that thing. <laughs> Best money I ever spent. You know, maybe I could compete with the snack box. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, we don't get it. We shot God out of the governance of our lives, and so God is on the outside. God is on the out, and this is what we don't understand, and I don't have time to, it's a long idea that God is on the outside trying to get in. And, and, but Jesus calls Satan the prince of the world. He did it. I don't know why we don't, we don't get that. I don't know why we miss that. He, he said the prince of the world comes. And, and, and another verse says the, the, the whole world is under the power of the evil one. Now that's not God's fault. We gave it. To the serpent. We did it. So, so God, we don't, so in fact, Revelation 3.20, in fact, I, I want to, guys, go ahead and put that picture up there. Uh, uh, an artist captured this beautifully. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and opens the door, then I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Notice this artist really got this right. There's no handle on the outside of the door. The door has to be opened from the inside. And Jesus says, I come. I, it, open the door and I will come in and I will dine with you. That's what friends do. You, you, know, you can be like Ellie and just get up in God's lap every time you want a, a stuffed animal. <laughs> every time you want something to go your way. And, and God, God is tolerant of that. He, he's like me. He's uh, okay. Sometimes he'll buy me the dog, you know? But it's not, you're shooting too low. You're shooting too low when you're just, just using God as a utilitarian object. And you're not using him, or not using the wrong word, but you're not relating to him as someone you love and someone who loves you. That's the best there is in life. Amen? Hosea 6.6, 6, God says, I don't want your love. I mean, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race, the, the, the message Bible says in Acts 17, and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God. Wow. And not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near See, we confuse answers to prayer with God. 
We, we pray for stuff and it doesn't happen and we say, oh, there, there's no God. Wait a minute. That's like Ellie and the dog. I was there for her without the dog. I wanted to be there for her. I, I, I mean, I want to hold her and I want to talk to her and I, I enjoy her and I, I want, I want uh, to dance with her. <laughs> That's what I want. Well, God wants to dance with you. Stop holding him hostage to all your prayer requests. Finally, and I close with this. I'm talking about how to have a friendship with God. The two things I already mentioned. The third one and the final one is decide whose friendship you want most. Humankind's relationship with God did not begin with religious structure or ritual, but began with friendship. Sin brought a tendency to rebel on our parts and guilt and fear put a wedge between us and our friendship with God. God said to Abraham, listen, this is really important, I am your exceeding great reward. I am your exceeding great reward. Not the kid I'm going to give you. Not the cattle I'm going to give you. I'm going to do that because the, God does have benefits. But I am your exceeding great reward. I'm sure Abraham was attracted to the promises of ultimate success, but there was enough turmoil and suffering on the journey, as we talked about, to the, to the fulfillment of those promises that Abraham had to embrace what God said in Genesis 51. I am your exceeding great reward. Paul would later say, some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Abraham made a critical decision for his life's purpose. I, I want a friendship with God more than I want friendship with anyone else or anything else. That's what he did. Because he didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't run back home to Haran when, the, when he ran into the famine. He didn't run back to, to Haran in idol worship when his servants and Lot's servants had a stinking fight and he had to settle for living in a bunch of rocks instead of the well-rotted plains of Shinar. He never once said, God, I'm done with you. This is not working. Because he knew God. <laughs> do, do, are you following me today? Are we, are we on the same page? The Bible says anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes God's enemy. Do you think the scripture means nothing that says the spirit that God made to live in us wants us for himself alone? The, the reason some of you don't have a great friendship with God is you've settled for, uh, you settled for a mere transaction, like I talked about earlier, that mostly serves as fire insurance to save you from the fires of hell. Um... Are there are things, and this is more, I think, more to the point. You love the world, and you love the things of the world. And they are the most important to you. Either materially acceptance by people in the world, people liking you and thinking you're cool, and people accepting you in the world is more important to you. Uh, now, why does... Here's an interesting thing, and I, I, just give me a couple minutes. I, 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 I'm not going to preach the three hours that I promised. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 4, instructs me not to love the world. While John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. What's up with that? What's up with that? God, 
James 4, 4 says, don't love the world. John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. What's up with that? Simple. John 3, 16 is talking about the people in the world. And James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 is talking about the value system of the world. I recently heard Rick Warren make this following observation. God says, I want you to love the people and hate the value system. You know what the problem is? We do the exact opposite. We love the value system and we hate the people. We love materialism. We love pleasure. We love popularity. We love prestige. We love passion, possessions, positions. We love all the values of the world. That's what he means. And that's what will keep you from being a friend of God. Now let me qualify this very true quote and this very accurate point this way. The beginning of your friendship with God doesn't require you to be entirely where you need to be. Let me qualify that. God will meet you where you are. I have some best friends in my life, but none of them were my best friends the first day we met. It took time. And God is patient. And some of you, I think this morning I'm talking to three different, a few different types of people. I'm talking to people who were once close to God, but you got dragged away by the problems of life and the suffering of life and the value systems of life. There's an old country song, Scott, that says, Remember when I loved you before the world took you away. If you do, then please forgive me and make the world go away. Right? Some of you here today need Jesus to come and make the world go away in your life and you can be close to God. There's another type of person I'm talking to that is just someone who has, you've gotten too busy and you're too distracted to pay attention and nurture your friendship with God. You just need to shut the world out more this week and listen to your friend God and let him talk to you. You need to shut off the internet. You need to shut off the news and you need to shut off all the podcasts and everything you're listening to, and not that they're bad, and let God love you. That's some of you. Then there's a person that, that uh, this personal relationship stuff with God is very new to you, and you are not even sure you belong here. But you're starting to realize the world's promises of security, peace, and purpose are empty and meaningless, and they can't deliver God is speaking to you. In fact, he told you to show up here today. And you were driving down the highway here, or the road, and you saw this church, and a voice said, you should go there to church on Sunday. Or, or you, were, you got this thought in your mind, I, I, should go, I should go to church. And so you started surfing the Internet, and you ran across our website. And something said, I should try that church. I believe that's your friend, God, speaking to your heart. And here's the good news. There's a lot more where that came from. There's a lot more good direction. The, the voice that brought you to the house of God today has a lot more good things to say to you. 
And all three of you that I've just talked about need to be reminded what the gospel story centered in the life and sacrifice of Jesus was for. It was to turn you into a friend of God with everything the word friend means. What Christ did won't make you equal with God, but it will make you accessible to God and God accessible to you. Listen to what Romans 5.10 says. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Let's bow our heads. I want to speak to those of you that are that last group. You came here today not really knowing why you came. But now that you're here, you're feeling in your heart, that's what I need. I need a relationship with God. And I'm telling you, here's the path to a relationship with God. Jesus is your path to a relationship with God. Jesus is Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. And Jesus is the door. And I want to I want to pray a prayer with you right now. And I want you to pray this prayer. And if Somebody, I just hope somebody here will pray it for the first time. And maybe you're somebody who ha- needs to repray it and rededicate yourself to a friendship with God. You pray it as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I want to know that you love me, Jesus. Father, I want to know that you love me. I now invite Jesus to be my personal Savior and my Lord. I look forward to a life of friendship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.